Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women thriving in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female carpenter as she interviews women around the country about the incredible variety of careers and financial opportunities for women in construction and the skilled trades. And now, your host, Camille Finan. Hey ladies, thank you so much for joining me on this winemaking, women in winemaking series. I'm super excited about this. I have an incredible guest today, Amy Chenoweth, who is being featured in the Wine Country Women um, book with Michelle Mandreau. And so Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so you've been in the industry for a long time. Uh, you basically grew up in it. And um, so can we kind of start there and tell me a little bit about your background? And now you're working as a winemaker and you have a huge business with your husband. But can you kind of give us the beginnings of how your story started? Sure. I grew up in Sonoma County, a little tiny town called Gurnville, really tiny town, had one stop sign. And we were, we were surrounded by vineyards my entire life. The, the wine industry was very, has been very prominent in Sonoma County for so long. Uh, Corbell, which is a huge sparkling wine um, producer, it, it was literally right down the street from me. A lot, of the, a lot of the parents that I went to school with their kids worked at Corbell. They were, they were not only a big producer, but they were also uh, one of the bigger employers in that area. So uh, my, my mom worked at Safeway and she worked the mid three to midnight shift at Safeway. So in the summer times, we'd spend a lot of time at my grandparents' house and uh, down there, wine was also really wine and food was really a big part of our upbringing because my grandfather was the president of the food and wine society in San Francisco and we always had wine on the table whenever we do anything. My uh, my aunts and my uncles and everybody was really, they would talk about wine. So we were, my brother and I, when I say we, it's my brother and I, we were pretty much immersed in the food and wine culture. But I never thought in a million years that I myself would be in the wine business, that that's, this is the path that I would take. Really? What uh, did you think you were going to do? I thought I was going to be a school teacher. Oh, you actually sound like a school teacher. <laughs> like a really nice school teacher. Well, that's awfully kind of you to say. I, I hope my kids feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So after I graduated from high school, I went to college to become a school teacher. I actually worked as an art teacher for a little while at a little elementary school in Sebastopol. Hmm. And I met. Charlie, my husband, and he was already, he's a farmer. Um, he, he always has said like his favorite moniker is that he grew up farming unwillingly most of his life. And then he chose it as his actual profession. Hmm. At the time when I met him, he was working for Dutton Ranch, which is their a relatively large farming operation in Sonoma County. And then he was hired on by Rich and Sterling Cundy 
with Sonoma Grapevine and he was their manager for quite a while. So he, I actually ended up quitting school and having two babies. Wow. And then one day he came home from work, really good job with Rich and Sarah Lee Cundy, you know, like mm-hmm. retirement and health benefits and good salary. And he came home and said, Hey, I'm going to quit my job and we're going to start our own business. Wow. And I looked at him and I was like, <laughs> great idea. <laughs> I love it. Supportive <laughs> even then. So and how many years ago was that? So that was about 22 years ago. Oh, wow. I had a brand new baby and a toddler and he came home. And yeah, so that was about 20, 22 years ago. Hmm. And so how did you guys, like, what was that first initial business that you started that, you know, that he kind of was super inspired to do and you were kind of along for the ride? <laughs> <laughs> Literally along for the ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't know very much at all about the farming end of it. So I, I knew the food and wine end of it from just growing up around it my entire life. So, you know, that that's like the last bit of it. So the farming is really the beginning, right? If you're going to do a farm to table type of thing, you start it with the dirt in the, in the vineyard. So the very first thing we did was we went out and bought a tractor. Hmm. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> Again, a very, very, um, city. I didn't know anything about tractors or anything. And Charlie went out and started uh, talking to people. He had already, the wine business is really, um, uh, there's, it's a small community, although there's a lot of people involved. So he, he already had some connections and he was hired on right away by a guy over in Hillsburg who was ready to put in a vineyard. Uh, and mind you, this is like 1998 mm-hmm. or so. And, uh, right before the big boom of everybody planting vineyards. He's just, I don't let him know that I'm tooting his horn, but <laughs> he's, he's fantastic. Just, um, he really is. He, yeah. he, I always like to say that he's the guy who you call him up and you say, I'm thinking of planting a vineyard in this area. He'll say, let me do a site check. He walks on site, picks up the dirt, kind of sniffs the dirt and says, that's 23 Pinot Noir. Oh, and it's really? just, <laughs> you cut out there a little that, bit. He's just really. So you said you, you cut out there just a little bit. You said, um, so you said like he literally can walk on the land and just like grab a, a, a fistful of the dirt and like smell it and like say, oh, this is perfect for a Pinot Noir. Um, yes, I did say that. <laughs> obviously that it's, it's just, uh, it's that there's obviously there's a lot more that goes into yeah. actually choosing the site, but I, he really is that good where he, he really has a, a real connection with the land. He, it's just in his genetic makeup. He, yeah. <laughs> for lack of any, I'm really not that scientific, but for, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. And so then how did you guys basically, so it sounds like the type of business you started originally with him was, um, this sort of type of vineyard management company where you go in and you basically yep. create vineyards from scratch, basically. Yep. Like when there's yes. just nothing but raw dirt, you guys help figure out what you're going to plant, how you're going to plant it, how you're going to produce the wine, pick the grapes, ship it off, distribute it, like pretty much that whole process. 
Yes. So there's actually kind of two sides to how the business is set up. Uh, we will go in. The, the first step is having Charlie out there and tell you, yes, I think that this is a good, good start. Um, and then we can take whatever you have there now, scrub brush, and we will clean up the, the property, plant the vineyards based on there's so many different clones or, and varietals of, of wine grapes. And there's a lot of, a lot of thought processes that go into choosing those clones. If you're, if the, if we're going in on behalf of a landowner, if they have hired us to come in and plant a vineyard for them, do you already have a winemaker in in mind? Because we'll get, we're going to want to talk to them about what they're what they're looking for as far as flavors and styles. And there's just so much. So we, we take it from the bare land to planting the actual grapevines that have been specifically chosen for that piece of property all the way to harvesting those grapes and getting them to whichever specific winery is going to produce those wines. Hmm. Wow. So that sounds kind of fun, though, because, I mean, you're really getting a lot of variety in your day-to-day work, and you're getting to do a lot of different things. You're getting to really problem-solve a lot, and you're getting to, like, sort of be creative, too, because you're trying to project years down the road of, like, what's going to work and what's not. So it sounds like a really kind of a fun job, actually. It is. (laughs) It really and truly is. And there's Every site is different. So we farm approximately three, three or 400, right in between three and 400 acres right now. We've planted a little over 3,000 acres of grapes in Sonoma County, just as our business has Mm. over the years. So the three or 400 acres that we farm now, every piece of property is a little different. So we are in the Russian River Valley area of Sonoma County. That's pretty much the heart of where our business is conducted. So we do a lot of Pinot, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Hmm. And uh, both those grapes tend to really soak up the terroir. Mm -hmm. So whatever is around them, a lot more than other varietals, thicker skin varietals. So the yeah, you no, know, can, we, I, can I stop you right there? That's really interesting yeah. to me. So, because I love love wine, I love learning about this. So, are you saying mm-hmm. that? And I've heard of terroir, meaning you know, it's basically where the grape is planted. It absorbs the mm-hmm. minerals and the flavors of the dirt around it. That part yes. I knew, but I didn't realize that. Are you saying that thinner skinned, more delicate grapes, physically the fruit itself, are more because they're thinner? The more they they absorb more of those flavors, or Am I misunderstanding that or what is doing that process? Well, I, I believe so. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, the science behind it could be a little different but, different, but I believe so. Specifically Pinot Noir grapes in, in what I have seen over these last 22 years, mm-hmm. they really soak up everything that's around them. I mean, you don't want to plant them over, say, your leach field because you don't want those flavors mm. to come out. Wow. Uh, we, we farm a very beautiful vineyard in Forestville, also in Sonoma County there, little tiny town that has a row and the very back of the vineyard has a row of 
eucalyptus trees hmm. and the the pinot noir grapes that come from those last final rows back there if you were to blend those up and just make a wine out of those you're going to get that menthol-y hmm. weirdness that, that mm-hmm. comes specifically from the the eucalyptus trees wow so it is really interesting yeah now does chard are chardonnay grapes very thin-skinned typically not uh, not as much as Pinot Noir. Okay. They, um, and Chardonnay, you can have so many different flavors that come in and out of Chardonnays, and they mm-hmm. and it comes from the terroir. and the, And Chardonnay is very moldable in the the cellar as well. Interesting. So you, what I have a question for myself that you might actually know the answer to. <laughs> I so I'm you know I turned fifty last year, and I loved Chardonnay for my whole my entire adult life. And when I turned like right around 40, 40 years old, I noticed a really big difference. Um, and I've always, you know, bought, I live here, I'm very close to you guys, you know, really good quality Chardonnay, not a $5 bottle of wine by any means. And I just basically over like a five year period, I got to where I, by the time I was 45, like I literally could not, you know, I used to be able to have three or four glasses of wine with dinner over a couple hour period. And I got to where literally like my face was completely numb and I had like a blistering headache, you know, within like a half a glass. So like, I can't drink Chardonnay really anymore. Do you know anything about what might be causing that? I, you know, I don't, but Mm. there, there, I do, I have heard things like this before. Mm. My sister is actually one of them. She used to be a big wine drinker and she actually just refrains from wine altogether now because she has some some issues like that. And she was, she was saying, well, I've always been allergic to sulfa drugs. So maybe it's a sulfur in there, but, mm. but not all producers have the sulfites or add yeah. sulfites or anything. So I really, yeah, I have no idea. Interesting. Well, so now mm-hmm. I can drink any other white, just not Chardonnay. So, oh. yeah. And I used to just, I had all my favorites, you know, in Napa. Now I just basically any other white I can drink, just not Chardonnay. So yeah, it's gotta be really something about the barrel or the Something, something, that, something in it. So, um, yeah. okay. So that's, that's really, it sounds like an incredible, really interesting, fun business with lots of variety and just like lots of interesting things happening all the time. How did you go from that, which you've done, you know, as a couple, um, and raised children and all that, but then you also became a winemaker yourself. And so how did you make that transition and sort of what are you producing now as a female winemaker? Yeah. Oh, this is I. This is almost like okay. So I jumped into this second career thing, and I was I feel incredibly lucky because I got to choose this. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm still helping run the vineyard management company, which I really do love. But I, I after all these years, I did realize that I just don't want to sit at a desk any longer. I don't want to actually take care of the books and and do you know, project planning and that kind of thing. I, I, (laughs) it's going to sound so cheesy, but I want to throw my artistic abilities out there. (laughs) I love it. You want to get your hands dirty. (laughs) Exactly. I, I, yeah, exactly. So we started, we've been producing our own wines just by default. It, It was easy. We have three estate vineyards, Bootleggers Hill, Treehouse Vineyard, and our home ranch, also known as Chenoweth Ranch. We always would take a little bit of wine or a little a little bit of grapes from there and make our own quote unquote garage wine. And we would, you know, serve that at Thanksgiving and that kind of thing. We hired a gentleman named Corey Albury, 
he, he had interned at Costa Brown Winery and that's how we met him. And when his internship was up, he didn't want to move back to Florida. So we scooped him up hmm. and he came in as our assistant vineyard manager. And literally one day after work, drinking some beers, he says, these, you know, the wines you guys have been making are really good. How about making this real, turning this into a real winery? Charlie and I, well, me again, just like before. Yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> we'll, we'll deal with the consequences later. <laughs> but yes. That's awesome. So, so uh, he actually was our winemaker for the first five vintages. And I was always there to help. I He actually is the one who really cultivated the getting out of the office and, and literally getting my hands dirty, mm -hmm. getting in there and, you know, as going from picking the grapes to all the way to getting it barreled down and then getting it bottled and getting it out to the, the consumer. So 2015, he wanted, he was moving on. He wanted to go actually more into a winery setting and less in the vineyard setting. So he quit Chenoweth Vineyards, the, the management company, and uh, moved on to Eric Kent Winery, who is fantastic. They make some really great wines. And I took over the winemaking. So in 2015 was my first vintage. And at that point, we were only a Pinot Noir. We only made one Pinot Noir each year. And it was a blend of the our three estate vineyards. Basically, we our premise is that taste the difference in the actual farming from year to year. So you're gonna mm. if the wines are deeper, uh, like our 2015 Pinot, it was we had less water that year, less rainfall. So the and the berries came out smaller and more the flavors were more dense and really provided a big punch where our 16s we had a little more uh rain and so you were getting a lighter and brighter flavor coming out of the same same vineyards mm -hmm. same wine making style but you're tasting differences in those and it's strictly because of the farming year hmm. so did I get off on a tangent? No, that was a great tangent. No, I get it. So basically 2015 was like your, you kind of popped your cherry on that, being a winemaker. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> and then it was yes. all on you, the decisions yeah. and the choices yes. and all that. So what's that, what's the next couple of years been like after yeah. that? Did you grow into that? Did you feel more confident yourself in that role? Absolutely. Starting in 2010, when we decided that we were going to go ahead and make a real winery out of our with our wines, I started really paying att more attention when I, I started taking, I would load up the trucks and I would deliver the fruit to wineries just so I could be on the crush pad so that I could talk to the winemakers so that I could look at their barrels and smell their barrels and see what they're putting in each and why they're putting these clones in this barrel or these bridles and in the stainless or the, the concrete or whatever the tank is that they're using. So I just, you know, I, uh, basically stalked them with a good reason by being the vineyard manager. <laughs> yeah. 
So, and, and we're talking about some really good, famous wineries, Costa Brown, um, Bob Cabral, uh, just Pat James Hall from Patson Hall Winery, who is one of my favorite people. And I've learned so much from him because he's really, not only is he really knowledgeable, but he, he really knows how to talk to you if you're not mm-hmm. yeah. really scientific. He can explain things without being too in-depth that you're, yeah. you're lost. And without being condescending, like just really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So that I started kind of paying more attention to that kind of thing. And then I did go to UC Davis Mm -hmm. and I got my, my certificate in winemaking. I really loved the experience of doing that, but really and truly, I think that I learned more from just following these people around in their cellars and listening to them talk. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, tasting wines, when you become a winemaker, you you kind of have to know where where you want your wines to go. You have to know the flavors that you like so that you can reproduce those flavors. That's awesome. Well, I, I've learned so much already. Um, I'd like to take just a tiny little break and we're gonna, I'd love to just sort of ask you a little bit about like women in winemaking, the statistics about it, what's happening in the industry, and maybe like a little bit about like what you see change since you've been in it now for, you know, over two decades, if that's good with you. That's great. Thanks so much for listening to Remodel Your Life. I sure have enjoyed being with you today. And if you really like our show, we'd love it if you would subscribe through iTunes. You can always send us feedback through email at Camille at RemodelYourLifePodcast.com. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life Podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Mm-hmm.